hello and welcome to For and Against, where we look at the big issues in sport off the field of play, sometimes the serious ones, sometimes the silly ones. It's Paul Roach with you here once again, and once again joined solely by Stephen Riley. G'day Steve, how are you going? G'day Paul, uh, just the two of us. Oh. We can make it if we try. Uh, Jono, we need you back. Quickly, come back for the next show, please. (laughs) Coming up in this show, we'll look at the world's most marketable athletes, or at least a list thereof according to Sports Pro Media. We'll revisit rugby's Giddo Law, chart the rise of pickleball, yes, pickleball, and we will speak to the 2022 Australian champion in, wait for it, Wife carrying. It's not as bad as it might sound, we promise. Of course, we'll wrap it up with Red Card, Yellow Card, which regular listeners will know is our favourite part of the show where we take the mick out of sports types who have erred off the field of play. If you spot a Red Card, Yellow Card, use the hashtag RCYC in your favourite social media. Speaking of which, you can find us on Twitter at for and against underscore and on Insta for dot and dot against. But for now, let's get into the show. Uh, Look, we do love a list here on For and Against, and Sports Pro Media have been good enough to provide us one with their annual World's Most Marketable Athletes ranking for 2022 recently dropping. Can a list drop, Steve? I know podcasts drop. I just thought I'd throw in the word dropping there. I'm not sure. Yeah, it was good. It was very natural. Yeah, Yeah, thanks. Uh, An annual survey of the marketability of the world's top sports men and women. It always provides good fodder for discussion, and this year's is no exception. Now, before we actually reveal exclusively uh, kind of the list, uh, the methodology (laughs) itself is interesting. So according to their little blurb on their website, the the motherhood statement is they blend comprehensive data and analysis, advanced social media monitoring, economic valuations, and expert and consumer insights. Now, what does that actually mean? And I'll try and keep this brief, but there are three components. One is brand strength, and it's worth 20 out of 100. Now, this is uh, the individual factors such as athletes' competitive performance, citizenship, interesting, citizenship, and risk profile, also interesting. Audience and reach comprises 50 out of the 100 points they give, so brand awareness and focus, follower engagement, demographic reach, consumer perception and sentiment. And the remaining 30 out of 100 is an economic score. So not just your ROI, but um, things like their proactive engagement with social or environmental issues and growth potential. And something tells me the growth potential is the key one. How are you going so far, Steve? You're on board with the metrics there. They do tweak that every every year, but broadly speaking, that's what they look for. Well, I think you left off that they multiplied by the age that my mother was when she got married. <laughs> and um, number of tools and that, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's how you do it. Correct. Correct. So it's all nice and uh, data-driven, no doubt there's a bit of an overlay there. Perhaps, I shouldn't say, no doubt. Okay, class, uh, so with that in mind, let's reveal the top 10. Steve, comment as you feel necessary uh, as we go along here. So number one, Ronaldo. Comment, no sound effects, please. You were looking for a comment. We can use sound effects in post-production. Well, Uh, look, I think he should make all the money while he can because his form is going downhill fast. Number number two, Serena, who's already sort of out the door, kind of. Or is she? She announced she hasn't retired the other day. We will see. Number three, Lewis. Can we get away with first name only for Lewis or Lewis Hamilton, folks, Formula One driver? Lewis Hamilton. That's right. Everyone's not a sport. Next. No. Number four, LeBron. Number five, <laughs> Messi. Number six, I think we do have to go both names for number six, Naomi Osaka. Then you're looking at Virat Kohli. Number eight, Alex Morgan. And I confess that this is, I had to get down, I got to eight and I've gone, oh, I don't really know who Alex Morgan is. Do you, Steve, or did you? 
US soccer superstar. I do. Yeah. Yes. I must say, I had to look that one up. Number nine, speaking of uh, female soccer stars, Sam Kerr. Um, really interesting uh, debut there for Aussie Sam Kerr at number nine. Well, interesting doesn't even begin to cover it. It is phenomenal. It is amazing. And and it's a little bit perplexing if, if you'd yeah. like to read out the name of number 10. Yeah, okay. We'll come back to, let's come back to Sam. Uh, and Tom Brady rounds out the 10. It, it's, it, defies a little bit of belief that and to be honest defies a bit of belief that three or four of them beat tom brady given the, the but but it, it's a single market when you look at sam kerr playing football that's followed all around the world yep. and effectively getting first dibs on half the population maybe it does make sense well, it's interesting. So in that top 10, there's four women. Now, I haven't looked back at the other, other ones, but I suspect that that's probably not beaten, if not the best return for women. I think that's sort of, you know, it's no surprise given the rise of women's sport, uh, certainly domestically in Australia, but, but you know, this is an international list, so uh, of the international uh, the phenomenon as well. In amongst that 10, there is four soccer players. That's the highest return for any sport. But then again, two of those are, are female, so Sam Kerr and Alex Morgan. Uh, the next best sports tennis with two of them, both of them are women um, in, in Osaka and Serena. Interesting enough, Rafa comes in at 16, and Roger, who has put himself out to pasture, still comes in at 23. So, you know, it's, I think it's fairly well known that Roger made a lot more money out of endorsements for the, at least the last decade, if not more, than actually turning up and playing tennis. So I suspect it wouldn't surprise me if we still see him in this, this list for years to come if they still consider him an athlete i don't know i don't know what does if he plays a couple of masters tournaments you know a couple of times a year like qualify him as an athlete keep him in the list yeah for sure yeah for sure look uh, i think credit to sports pro media i think they've actually have put a bit of overlaid a bit of judgment here on who's on the way up so i don't necessarily think it's who makes the most money from their advertising Correct. it's about the potential so you know, you work your way down the list and you're seeing a few people who are on the brink of superstardom. Mm. Uh, Killian Mbappe is one. Erling Haaland is another. You know, they, they've been quite clever in saying, listen, if you want to focus a particular product on a particular market, these might be your people. Yeah, and you look at um, Sergio Perez, for example, who's sort of mid-list somewhere. I forget what the actual number is, but... You know, if I go back to the criteria, one of them, uh, where was it? It was in the first one, brand strength, which only counts for twenty. But one of the one of the things they mentioned is citizenship. So, um, and you know, he's he's got a massive following in his, in, uh, in Mexico, his home country, and no doubt that has pushed him up the ranking uh, significantly. But yeah, Riles, uh, if I look again at the economic component of this, the, the marketability score, they they do mention growth potential, and I seem to remember us talking about this list. A couple of years ago, I mean, you know, to us, you, you can probably date this better than I. You're you're more of a tennis fan than myself, but Naomi Osaka, who was still hadn't really done much, but she was rated very highly. She might even have been higher than than this year's sixth, based as much on potential as it was on actual results and where she was currently. Oh, look, she was she was already doing pretty well, but she'd already made a ton of money in Japan. And you know, when, when she was on her way up, so when she hit the top and won a couple of Grand Slams, there were a couple of people who, who were already in with her that got huge value out of that. And then the next ones that came in paid a fortune right. to, to have her promote them. So, yeah. so the her Japanese escapades, the money she made there was as much in endorsements as it was in winning games, winning tournaments. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then some. Mm, uh-huh. Simona Halep was 15th, uh, you know, it was 15th on that list. I, I one suspects that 
she might have fallen a couple of points after her uh, recent doping or non-doping scandal that would, might have had a bit of an impact well look I, I mean we all hope that it's not the case right she's she's claimed that that she has no knowledge and uh, she's she's a wonderful athlete to watch you know so and one of the more consistent european tennis stars so there's a space there for her to be the most marketable women's tennis player in Europe. In that market. Uh, if she doesn't fall from grace, yeah. Mm, mm. So soccer was the most prolific in the top 50, uh, followed by tennis. And then Formula One. And and in a number of the accompanying articles that Sports Pro Media themselves wrote, they drew attention to this this fact. There's five Formula One drivers in the, in the top 50. And you've got Lewis Verstappen and Leclerc, sort of fairly obvious choices. George Russell, a uh, young English fellow who's Lewis's uh, teammate these days, certainly on the up. And the other one, as I've mentioned already, Sergio Perez, uh, probably boosted by a very significant backing in his home country of Mexico. Interesting to me, there was no one from Live Golf. Um, and Rory McIlroy just sneaks in the top 50, so it might just be a comment about the the nature of the golfing stars uh, around at the moment, that they're not going to sell a Rolex watch. But given how many, you know, tens of millions of dollars are being paid to these golfers for their name value, Mm. you know, obviously Greg Norman thinks they're pretty marketable. That's a good point, actually. I hadn't sort of picked up on that, but golf golf and golfers usually appear fairly prominently in this list. Not just, a, again, it's not just mm. an earnings list, but it's a marketability. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting that uh, – where's Tiger fit into this list, if at all? Do you yeah, know, not, the, not the top 50. Not the top 50, that's yeah. incredible, isn't it? So, really, you've got a pretty sparse contribution from golf in the top 50 world's most marketable athletes. And you've got to put that down to the current kerfuffle with – with Liv, surely, because all you know, including McElroy and Tiger, their golf itself has been tarnished, irrespective of whether which side of the camp you're on. So, um, yeah, interesting one, mm-hmm. interesting one. And I mean, the other thing I know you tried to pull me away from talking about Formula One, Riles. Don't think I didn't notice that. <laughs> but returning to Formula One, but no jokes aside, I mean, surely that's got to be the manifestation to some degree of this, you know, the the drive to survive effect, which has been well documented and talked about over the last few years, raising the prominence of Formula One. From you know, as sports pro media themselves have pointed out, a relatively niche sport, although albeit hundreds of millions following, to something that's followed significantly by by neutral fans, if that's the way of putting it. I think I read a stat. Well, uh, the recent yeah. sorry mate, the yeah. recent US Grand Prix, they had something like four hundred and seventy thousand people turn up across the three days, which was a, a record of, in and of itself. But I think it was something like two thirds of people said it was the first time they'd been to a Grand Prix. So, you know, again, you can attribute that to a number of things. Liberty Media's ownership allowing them to open up to be doing more social media stuff, a whole range of things. But, but it, and it, so it's a bit sort of oversimplifying it to, to slate it to drive to survive. But it has to, be a, has to be a factor, significant factor. Well, it's definitely a factor. I think the other bit is just the nature of the sport they play. They are walking billboards. Yeah. So, you know, essentially, you know, when you're talking about a marketable athlete, when their uniform yeah. is actually defined by the badges <laughs> on them, and the, the team name is itself an advertisement, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I think yeah, fair enough. There's a lot of money hit in that direction. Yeah, and just not look going down a rabbit hole here, but McLaren have recently come out with a digital sponsors patch. So on the car, it's like like the fence at the cricket or the footy. You know, you, you can rotate digitally the what appears on the fence. So McLaren have got a little patch on the car that's like that, so they can actually rotate the sp- the name of the sponsor that appears on that particular patch of the car. So, oh wow, con- and it doesn't mess with the aerodynamics. Yeah, well, presumably yeah. not. Wow. Anyway, constantly innovative. You know, I, I actually that's interesting. Maybe there's a, an innovation for the future there. You know, during the cricket where they and the the rugby league do this as well. You've got the bare green patch of grass, 
But on TV, mm. you see the sponsor's logo on it. Yep. Yeah, Formula One should just have that, you know, tracking along. Different market has different brands on the cars as they go around. Whoa, I, pre- I, presume this ma- I presume this means we have nothing more to say on the world's most marketable athletes. We've, <laughs> we've, I've we've, just gone we've, just gone beyond your level. That's all. Let's, on. Yeah, fine. Let's on. move on. Fair enough. Well, <laughs> we, we'll we, there you go. So that's uh, that's some news for you, and uh, we'll no doubt cover the 2023 world's most marketable athletes. On to the shootout now, where we cover a few more topics in shorter fashion. Look, with the Rugby World Cup less than a year away in France 2023, why are we even talking about the Guido Law again? Why? Is there a more destructive, self-imposed rule in world sport anywhere, Steve-O? So Australian rugby took the view that in order to protect the game here, and this is possibly dates back to when Super 12 and Super 14 rugby was actually a thing, which I submit is not anymore, wanted to keep Australian players here. So if you went and played overseas for the better money in France and in England and in Japan, well, you were a pariah, weren't you? You weren't able to be selected for the Wallabies. And that was the big stick, you know, slash carrot. You stay in, in Australia and you can be selected for the Wallabies. If you leave, you can't. And then we're sort of going, hang on a sec, we've really got some really good players overseas. And then so in order to get a couple back, and Guido was the main one, the rule was, I think, what is it? If you'd played 70 tests, I think the number was 70. If you'd played a certain number of tests, I think it's 70. I can see you nodding there, Steve. Then you were an exception and you were allowed to play overseas and you could still play for the Wallabies. So what I'm saying, Steve, in case this wasn't clear, is this is it's, it's like a restraint of trade kind of thing. And aren't we stupid? Aren't we shooting ourselves in the foot? by not being able to select the best 15 from around the world, irrespective of where an Australian plays their game? The answer is no, we're not stupid. And this <sighs> is a good rule and it should really? stay. This, this is being not argumentative what's or you for real? Australian. No, look, for the moment, uh, I'm, I'm still for real on this but because uh, I think we're looking at the wrong problem. Mm-hmm. You know, we forget that the problem with Australian rugby is that we're not supporting the grassroots. We're spending all this time trying to, you know, take care of the, the pros who are making more than enough money. And what that's doing is giving most of the player money to less and less and less players. And what you really need is to get club football running up again. So you've got competition for, look, if it's for Super 14 or representative sides, call it whatever you like. And then, then you're going to get a stronger team for Australia. And then, you know what? It won't matter whether they're playing overseas or here or not, they'll have a path but you will have a broader set to choose from and Australian rugby will be stronger. Very hopeful and very idealistic, Steve, with the pool of players that they can select from shrinking and shrinking and shrinking as Aussie Rules comes in and rips the guts out of the heartland of, uh, of Australian rules in the northern states. We shall see. We shall see. Just quietly, I'm aiming for the Wallabies-Fiji game in St Etienne uh, next year in France. Uh, if anyone wants to come along, uh, please let me know. Uh, you tennis players out there, uh, I tell you what, you need to be very, very careful if the experience in the US is anything to go by. Uh, here on Foreign Against, we like telling you not just about what's happened or analyse what's going on, but also giving you insight into trends and, and uh, you know where the, where the world of sport is coming and certainly uh, the trends overseas that might impact Australia. So you tennis fans, you tennis players, need to be looking over your shoulder because pickleball, pickleball is coming to get you. I think we've mentioned... Pickleball once or twice in the show in the, in the recent past. It's a mix of table tennis, badminton, and tennis. Sort of played on a smaller version of the court. You know, it's just a it's a net that you can pick up and take away with you kind of thing. It's a more mobile game. So what used to be a summer camp game that had become a bit of a craze where seniors hang out 
It's now gone mainstream over there, and it's taking over the ten- local tennis courts. Steve, you you across this 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 craze, this phase, and do you have an opinion uh, on pickleball? Yeah, yeah, I, I do. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it. I think you know, it, maybe it's it's no. <laughs> What was the one we, we talked about a couple of shows ago? Was it Cornhole? Oh, yeah, Cornhole. Um, uh, John got into that, didn't he? Cornhole. It's called Cornhole. Where you it? chuck a beanbag yeah. at it. It's like beanbag tossing sort of thing. Yeah, 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 that's going to take over the world. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Soccer will become the major football code in Australia. I've heard all this before. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, hang on. I'm going to take you back to the, the Cornhole thing does not constitute an argument here because Cornhole is not trying to take over something else it's just you know a board you can stick up in the at the beach or the park or the backyard and chuck some beanbags at it whereas pickleball is looking for places to play pickleball players are looking for places to play and they go oh there's a couple of tennis courts we can turn them into half a dozen pickleball courts and have you know more bang for your space to mix a metaphor there i don't think we have anything to worry about i think you know table tennis is like tennis but small and you can play it inside so you could put Lot. I do like the idea of outdoor table tennis, by the way. I think playing table tennis in the wind has that extra dimension going for it. That, that, that'll that knock pickleball off for sure. did way too much of that at the back the backyard of the grandparents' place many moons ago at table tennis outdoors. Didn't last very long. Uh, no, Steve, I think, I'm think i not sure. We'll see. I think it's interesting that even the tennis channel in the States is showing pickleball. What? Uh, much the noise outrageous. The exactly. See what I mean? It's, I tell you what, oh. you heard it here first on For and Against. Look, I'm not sure how many ideas for the show we've picked up from LinkedIn, but I'm tipping it's a pretty small number. Here, then, is one of them. There I was, busily checking out the timeline of my other non-for and against life, scrolling through all the humble bragging and happy to shares, when when something a bit unusual caught my eye. A gent who otherwise runs a growing fintech company, from what I could determine, was proudly announcing to the world that he was the recently crowned Australian wife-carrying champion. Yes, you heard that right, the Australian wife-carrying champion. So clearly, we had to get him on. Nick Topham, welcome to the show. G'day. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It's not very often we get to have an Australian champion on the show. Steve, you're already di- you're just dying to ask a question already. No, no, I just I just <laughs> want to flag up front just how dangerous this conversation <laughs> clearly is. There are so many ways this conversation can go wrong. And oh, oh, Steve oh, and oh, Nick, you, you're in good hands. You. So, Nick, so many questions, so little time. Can I just clarify to start with, given the title of your award, are you the champion or do you share the title jointly with your wife? Is it a team sport or is wife carrying an individual pursuit? No, it is It is certainly a team sport. It's certainly a team sport. We were both given a big, uh, a big blue first ribbon on the day and, uh, you know, there's... I can't do it without her. It's not. It's not just a. It's not just a running race. So it's certainly team sport. There's no marriages of convenience in in the wife carrying, you know, a competition community. Any any sort of non love matches that we think have just been done for competitive purposes. Look, I, I, on the day, I don't think there was, but it's a bit of a grey area, you know. <laughs> I think sometimes it's uh, it's it's wife carrying in name only. But uh, I think it's the, it's the spirit of the thing. But uh, yeah, I think it's a fairly grey area, you know. I mean, I was going to ask essentially the same question. I mean, do you have to present your marriage certificate? So, but but just <laughs> coming out a bit more broadly. So, what are the what are the rules around the mode of carrying? Perhaps you can take us through the actual event itself. You know, yeah, rules yeah. around the mode of carrying. Any other rules that, that are worth knowing about? And you know, marriage certificates notwithstanding, what did you have to do? Yeah, I mean, basically, there's not there's not many rules. It's uh, pick up your partner, wife or 
you know, assumed wife, and basically do a big obstacle course. That's that's essentially it. You can't right. put them down. Uh, if you put them down, well, you can't put them down. You got to pick them up, bucket back up again. But that's basically it. You can carry them whatever way you like, um, whatever suits you. If you fall over, you just got to get back up and pick them up again and uh, and do the course. So, you know, basically, it's at the it's a big uh, it's a big showground in our local showground. It was Singleton Showground. And you, you kind of, they say go and you run and there's like a big uh, big seesaw thing you go over and there's a hurdle and a kind of a limbo stick. And there's, there was meant to be a water challenge, but it was it was too wet and they couldn't get the digger in there. So we just had some kiddie pools to run through instead. So you can't do anything about the rain. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if that, that kind of gives you a bit of a feel of it, yeah. So, so Nick, I mean, you can do it any way you want, but can you give us a bit of uh, some... You know, for those who are listening and are already getting the bug and want to try this themselves, yeah. mm. do you believe in, you know, and I, I did do a little bit of research online, the classic piggyback, or do you go with a fireman's carry? I understand there is an Estonian style <laughs> carry, <laughs> but I think we're, we're, I've already gone too deep. Yeah. Way too no, deep. No, no, you, 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 you nailed them. I think we did the same research. Probably saw all the same <laughs> things, but you're, you're right. Um, Look, we, we went with the Estonian carry, funnily enough, oh. which is basically for, I've, I've thought about how to describe to someone who hasn't actually seen this, but if you imagine essentially a piggyback, except the person on your back is upside down, that's, oh. <laughs> that's basically what, what an Estonian carry is. So uh, it's kind of a bit tricky to get into it, but that's basically it. And the idea is that then you can grab the, their, their legs with your arms and it's a lot more stable and you can kind of run full pelt. I can I can hear wives everywhere around the world listening to this going that does not sound comfortable to me. It's just that's <laughs> because it's part of competing. So Nick, have, have you been preparing this for this for a while? Is this something you're building up to, or is this something you just turned up to the Singleton Show as you describe it and just thought we'll yeah. give that a go? Yeah, no, that's that's we did we we thought we saw it um, maybe a couple of weeks before the show um, that was in you know local local pages something like that and. My wife said, should we give this a crack? And I said, oh, yeah, right. And she said, oh, this is, you know, good prize. I'm, okay, great. Let's, let's give it a go. So that was about all the thought that went into it, to be honest. Um, we did uh, we did a couple of laps around the house and went out to the backyard, a couple of laps around there, tried out the different styles. Um, but uh, no specific training. In in hindsight, you could you could do a lot of specific training for this. It was it was not particularly easy, but uh, that was about all the, the prep we did, to be honest. And I think it was a solid team, a field of four. Yeah, you came first by three seconds. That's right. To me, and yeah. look, have you done much media on this apart from this interview? Have you done much media as the Australian wife carrying champion? Because I'm just worried that then the field of four might be potentially four and five hundred next year with all the publicity you'd be getting. That's, that's well, it's, it's funny you say that. There's a few of our friends that turned up, and one of them I was egging on. I said, "Look, you, you got to, you got to do it. You give us a good run." And they were like, "No, no, no." And I think, and they saw, it, and I think there'll be a few more next year. But you know, <laughs> I, I think it'd be great to have four or five hundred next year. It'd be a, it'd be a spectacular event. I'd like to see everyone go at the same time rather than kind of a time trial style. Oh, you know? it's time trial. Oh, but, um, okay. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, you want the mass um, start, don't you? Really. Uh, I, I, yeah, that'd be absolute mayhem. It'd be great. <laughs> so, so Nick, does this qualify you for you know the world titles in Finland or you know which yep. which is we we all know is the traditional wife carrying capital of the world. <laughs> that's right. That's right. There is a whole backstory around. I can't remember exactly the backstory. I, I should have done my research. But um, there's some town in Finland, like you say, which does the world championships there. Um, but yes, it does. We are the, the official Australian champs. So. 
part of that part of our our winning was actually getting flown over by our sponsors. No, uh, which is great. it gets paid for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's um the local uh, Chap- Chapman's funerals in Singleton. Shout out to them. Put up a big big prize for us, playing for the airfares and uh, hotels and everything. It's great. That's incredible. And there's only four of you. If tell you what, there are going to be hundreds next next year. Nick, that's incredible. I, this is what I told every. I told everyone I knew. Give it a go, you know. And you know, I, I like. I'd love to see a huge field next year. Steve, I sorry you were jumping and getting there. Well, I just wanted to fill in the story because, as Nick said, I probably did go to the same spots. Honestly, Wikipedia and the Singleton Show yeah, website. Singleton I show. mean, <laughs> I do think we've got to give some credit to the Singleton Show. Being able to tap in to the World Championship qualifying uh, requirements <laughs> for this. But they do point out that it originated in Finland around the legend of Ron Kanan, the robber, who uh, he and his, his merry men were accused of stealing food and women from the local villages. Yeah, and oh. and thus the competition was born. There you go. Good good there research go. on the fly there, Steve. Um, so <laughs> right, when's <laughs> when is this world championship, Nick? So who we are into the latest latest stages of twenty twenty two? It's presumably in the middle of twenty three sometime. You've got to get over there? Uh, something like that. I'm actually not 100% sure of the date. I think it's yeah. in around June, June next year, something like that. I think that's appropriate for your level of preparation. You're not really sure of the date. I think that sort of speaks highly of the, uh, the, the world, <laughs> the world wife. It's not for lack of trying. I don't think it's been announced yet. The way ah, the but, sorry, uh, mate. Sorry. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, my wife and I are both, both pretty physically active. We, we go to the gym and do CrossFit and all that sort of stuff and pretty good shape. But I'll tell you what, for a 400 meter course, it was tough. I was, I was in stripe at the end of it. So there's a there's a lot of prep to be done for next year. Absolutely. Well, well, if if you are interested, mm. you know, I'm sure there are leading events like the uh, Scandinavian Midsummer Festival. Uh, oh, yeah. They have a wife carrying contest on the 25th of June. Uh, there's uh-huh. another one in Rad season. I don't know what this is. And of course, we should after the success of the Singleton uh, show. Check out, you know, the Royal Easter Show and all the rest. I'm sure yeah. you can build, it's and then you'll need to taper. Mm. Uh, yeah. Now, the question I had is, um, just quietly, just between us and our millions and millions of listeners, diuretics. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, no, it's good. I, I Did you get tested? No, no I shouldn't have. <laughs> Out of out of competition testing, they come knocking on the door. Oh, I don't. I, I haven't had any yet. I haven't had the ASDA or whatever they call knocking on the door. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you know who knows who knows who knows how big this will get. Well, who knows indeed. And and Nick, we will follow your progress with the greatest of interest over in Finland next year. Congratulations on your stellar achievement in being Australian wife carrying champion to you and your wife, of course. And uh, as I say, good luck in Finland next year. Thank you. Thank you. There we go. Uh, Nick Topham there, the Australian wife carrying champion. What more can we add? Uh, yes, after uh, after that uh, hilarious interview there, uh, we follow it with red card, yellow card. It's a tough act to follow, but Steve, I'm sure we can do it. Red card, yellow card, of course, where we enjoy poking fun at uh, sporting types uh, who've, um, who've done something they really wish they hadn't done off the field of play. I wish it would go away, and of course it's our job to bring it back into the spotlight so we can enjoy it once again. So, Steve, what have you found for us? What are you nominating this this uh, this show for Red Card, Yellow Card? I am nominating Kanye West. Right. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and, yeah. and yeah. I, I suspect 
I have heard on the grapevine. <laughs> that was really, that was really, really hip and trendy of you there, going straight to Yeet. That's good. And, and I have heard on the grapevine that he might, might be representing America in the wife carrying championships um, later. <laughs> oh no, he can't do that now. Sorry, my mistake. Anyway, he. Uh, Sorry, Mister West, you're on record as divorce. Stand over there, please. <laughs> well, maybe he's going for a smaller. Uh, why? Um, so he's more competitive next year. Yeah, look, I didn't want to ask that, that question of Nick, but that does beg the question, doesn't it? Anyway, does. your, your nomination. Uh, anyway, Adidas <laughs> has ended its sponsorship with Kanye because he does not tolerate anti-Semitism and some things that the rapper said on Instagram and Twitter were deemed to be worthy of Adidas cutting their relationship. And I tell you, it's a pretty big deal. Adidas, which is still a sporting goods retailer, uh, they're going to take a hit of, you know, some 250 million euros, you know, because they, they measure this out of the um, out of the German the German headquarters. Well, well uh, German company originally, yeah. But they are dropping, you know, someone who's earning them a quarter of a billion euros because of, you know, him being, well, you know, an idiot. When's, so, sorry, when's a sports person coming into this story? It's sporting related. Oh. This is one of the prime movers of sporting goods in the world, my friend. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so I'm intrigued, Steve. I mean, you've made this is a bit of your own making here. I'm intrigued to find out what sort of card you're proposing to give Adidas here. I'm not giving Adidas a red card. This is Kanye. But he's not a sports Kanye, person. Red card. Okay, all right. What? I'm, I'm going to let you ah. slime your way out of that one. <laughs> all right, you'll have a yee, apparently. That's fine. Beat that. Go for it. Uh, look, it won't be hard. Uh, look, so no sooner had I flown home from the disaster that was the 2022 Aussie Rules Grand Final, uh, I found myself out at the Homebush Olympic Precinct to watch the Opals take on and indeed beat Serbia in their group match in the Women's Basketball World Cup. Now, my red card, yellow card doesn't relate to that weekend, but I just thought I'd mention that I was at two big sporting events in different cities what? on consecutive <laughs> days. You're welcome. My red card, yellow card nomination did, however, happen at said World Cup. The Women's Basketball World Cup, that is. The Malian team had been beaten in their fourth group game going down to Serbia. It was their fourth straight loss, meaning, somewhat unsurprisingly, that they were bundled out of the tournament. Now, one can imagine the discord and the high emotion in the Mali camp in the immediate aftermath of the match. Uh, in fact, there was so much emotion that two of them actually came to blows as they stood amongst their, their teammates in a bit of a huddle. Now, that's worthy of a nomination in and of itself. You know, teammates going the biff... But unfortunately for them, the scuffle occurred in the background of the post-game interview of one of the Serbian players and was thus caught on film. And of course, we all know that once something's caught on film, it becomes a thousand times more important than if it wasn't. So it, for me, this is two yellows equals a red to Salimatu Kurama and Kamite Elizabeth Dabu. And I hope I've got that vaguely correctly. You just don't go the biff on your teammate, guys. One yellow, and you especially don't do it in the media zone straight after your match. Two yellows, red card. <laughs> All right, that, that's pretty good, except for one thing. Go on. The grand final was outstanding. It was. I really enjoyed being there, and uh, and Geelong were fabulous. Oh, that so, grand final. Sorry, I thought you meant the final, the, the, the World Cup, the basketball World Cup. <laughs> yeah, thanks, mate. You got me a beauty there right at the end. Well done. Points to Riles. It was horrendous. Poor, poor old Swannies. Come on, guys. Come on. 
Second quarter was okay. Nah, salute Joel Selwood. I stood and clapped when he uh, did his thing. Well done. Anyway, look, I'm not going to end on the Swannies. Uh, red card to those two Malian basketball players. Stop, stop leading me astray, Steve-O. Uh, and with the end of Red Card, Yellow Card, that brings us to the end of another exciting edition of For and Against. Thanks very much for your company, folks. And thank you, Stephen Riley, for being part of it as always. So long. Farewell. Love you, Zane. Good night. Next time it might be the three of us once again. Oh, I think we get Jono back for the next one. Yeah, he's hoping. I uh, look forward to hearing uh, tales of his of his travels throughout uh, throughout Asia. Don't forget, folks, you can find us on Twitter at for and against underscore uh, on Instagram for dot and dot against. And in fact, we're on LinkedIn. I should have mentioned that we got Nick as a result of something I saw on LinkedIn. We actually have a presence on LinkedIn, a fairly underutilized and uh, underfollowed uh, representation. But but search for for as in f o r a n d against. Uh, in your LinkedIn search bar and follow us on LinkedIn. But uh, until such time as we meet again, hopefully in a fortnight, I expect in a fortnight, it's goodbye from me. Also, Paul Roach, thank you once again for joining us on For and Against. Until next time, it's bye for now. Bye for now.